Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Welcome to part two. I'd like you to meet a friend of mine. Mark Prentice is an Ulster businessman who's worked in senior commercial roles in the UK and in Dublin. He now straddles the border, based in Dublin, but involved in a very successful young business in Ulster. We chat about crowdfunding to kickstart that business and how they're making it a success. And we cover how he sees Brexit and the road ahead. Let's go and meet him. Mark Prentice, you're very good to talk to me. How are you? Very well indeed. Yeah, very well indeed. Um, A lot of change this year and a lot of change, I think, for everybody. Uh, But no, I'm well. Looking forward to uh, a few days rest over Christmas and New Year. Yeah, please see it. You're you're looking well over Zoom. We haven't haven't met in person in a while. We'll get back to Grogan's for a pint one of these these weeks or months, we hope. So we're going to have a chat about a couple of things. I I, I wanted to talk to you about Copeland Distillery because that's a story you told me and, uh, you know, I've been up there to visit it. And I think it's a fantastic uh, success story and and hopefully growing. Um, But I want to just have a little bit of a chat about you first, Mark. You're uh, you're an Ulsterman um, and you you, uh, came down to work in in Borgash in the Republic about what 10 12 years ago um tell, tell us a little bit about what brought you yeah well I, I suppose i i did the um the sort of almost traditional thing in, in northern ireland of, of going to school and uh i think most people either head away to to university across the water mm. or uh, or they go to university uh at home and go across the water quickly soon after and i suppose i of getting a sort of a general qualification that I could pretty much do a number of different things when I left. And I was fortunate enough to get a, uh, a placement role actually uh, with, uh, with the Boots company, with Boots the Chemists yeah. across in the UK in my third year. And, uh, and they very kindly offered me a job when I, when I graduated. So I, I, le- I left Northern Ireland, gosh, in the early 90s uh, and spent 10 years across, across there in a variety of roles with Boots mm. and then into Thornton's. And then decided to uh, to bring the uh, to bring the family home and came back to Northern Ireland, uh, and and went into having been in toiletries and and dental products and and then healthcare oh, the services glamour. and then chocolate. I mean, literally, <laughs> I was all over the place. I think uh, uh, category wise, I came back and, and joined what was then the emerging um, uh, new business for Borgosh in Northern Ireland, which subsequently mm. became Firmus Energy. Uh, and that was really to, to roll gas out across across Northern Ireland uh, and was there about six or seven years. And they invited me down to Dublin for, and, and there were just for two years. Uh, and I ended up with Borgosh in Dublin uh, for nearly nine years and went through various machinations of uh, selling the business. And, and yeah, I suppose a varied uh, career across, uh, you know, GB, Northern Ireland uh, and the Republic. Um, Did you not notice any um, sort of cultural dissonance or any uh, differences that struck you between Northern Ireland and the Republic? Yeah. Look, I mean, business isn't really that hard. It's just finding out what customers want and what they need and selling it to them at the price that they're prepared to pay. 
Uh, and in that respect, you know, most businesses are very similar. But I have to say, I think um, not a lot of uh, cultural differences. The working in the Republic tends to be a bit more of an ish culture. So <laughs> I, a bit more Mediterranean, a bit more relaxed. Uh, and I, I remember going to uh, ten meetings when I first came down to Dublin. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I don't know what it's, whether it's the uh, the strong Presbyterian influence in the north, but if you have a meeting at eight o'clock or nine o'clock, it happens bang on eight o'clock or nine o'clock. Whereas yeah. the south's a little, a little more ish, you know, a little um, more ish. Yeah, yeah, and a little bit more ish and a bit, a, a bit more relaxed in that respect. But look, businesses all over are are, are really very much the same, and the, and they they have the same issues and the same challenges and the same. Uh, ultimate goals, which is, as I said, really just trying to encourage more customers to buy from them and stay with them. And in that respect, they're very similar the world over. Yeah, but it's a, it's a happy knack to describe these things as simple when, when you do try and do them. So you so you you did something in parallel then, because you were working as a sort of senior commercial director in large organisations. But um, but in parallel, tell tell us the story about the Copeland Distillery because it's a it's a young story. It only goes back five years. Um, but it was yeah. a very entrepreneurial little project, and and you found yourself being roped in early. But it, it wasn't you initially, is that right? I, I was approached actually by uh, it's my niece's was then my niece's boyfriend now her fiance um, who came to me and said I've got the idea for for a business and he uh, it was actually a project in his final year of uh, of university uh, and uh, he in Queens was he he was in uh, University of Ulster up in Coleraine hmm. and he came to me and said look I've got an idea for a flavored gin and he he actually he developed the products initially in his mum's kitchen. And wasn't it crowdfunded? Wasn't that part of the story? Yeah. Well, uh, we we he he launched he, he developed a couple of different flavor profiles in his mum's kitchen, um, mm. and uh, and then through the university managed to get some market research done. Um, and uh, at that stage, um, you know, the concept was to buy in you know I've actually a very good quality gin from uh, from from Holland, uh, but to actually infuse that gin with with fruits, local fruits from County Down. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he was looking really to to kickstart the business, and of course, you know, getting funding when you have an established business is relatively easy. Getting funding mm-hmm. when you when you're starting up is very hard, and uh, you know, quite frankly, the banks aren't prepared to take much of a chance. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he came to me and said, "I think I'm going to go crowdfunding," and I said, "Great, fantastic." And and we I went to a a designer friend of mine who I'd worked with in the past. Uh, and said to Mark, look, we need a design for a bottle. Uh, by the way, I can't pay you because we have no money. Um, <laughs> and uh, But we, if we launch, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll obviously uh, square you up. Uh, and Mark developed a, a design for us. Uh, and we got some sort of mock-up. Gareth looked after Facebook. I looked after Twitter. And we went online and basically said, we're a new brand. This is what we stand for. This is the sort of thing, the products that we'd be making. And uh, and we launched crowdfunding, and we we raised about uh, thirty thousand pounds in probably about five weeks. In the end, we had about three hundred and ninety people in total. That sort of um, uh, gave us between fifty pounds and five hundred pounds um, as part of the crowdfunding, and uh, and we thought maybe fifty or a hundred of them might turn up for the launch party. Anyway, I think it was about five hundred. I think we, uh, I, I think we did, we had issues with the fire regulations in that particular venue that night. Um, but it was, a, it was, a, it was actually, I suppose it, it was a, a lesson on 
um, on how local people are prepared to get behind a, a concept for a local business. Mm. Uh, and I think that's what we've seen in the last few years with Copeland that you know the community has really come behind it and they you know people like to see a success story they want a success story in their area yeah. and they like to be part of something and and it is lovely I'm, i was up there um during the years you know the couple of bodies we met up with yourself for for a tour of the distillery mm -hmm. um which was tremendously good fun and and a, a good few pints were had by all and in fact at that stage uh, northern ireland had slightly more lax uh, covid restrictions than down mm -hmm. here in the republic so uh, we were vaccinated and all that but we still sort of felt like we were sneaking out the back of the uh, <laughs> class and yeah so and great fun it was but the the, the setup there is fantastic um, and i know you do tours it's in Donica D in County Down. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Donica D, for anybody who doesn't know Donica D, if you drive to Belfast and, and turn right and go as far far east as you can without falling off the island, that's Donica mm -hmm. D. And so it's it's one of the closest points uh, to Scotland. So, I mean, the Copeland distillery is so called because of the Copeland Islands that sit just off the coast of Donica D. There's a lot of history associated with the area. Yeah. Uh, we're very fortunate, actually, that the guy who designs our bottles um, was, I think he was chairman or maybe still is chairman of the Ulster Scott Society. He does a lot of history programs on the BBC. And if Mark yeah. doesn't know a story about the history around uh, County Down and the Ards Peninsula, well, then nobody does. So very good. Um, I mean, a lot of our products are rum or whiskey or gin um, are all telling stories about um smuggling through the Copeland Islands or when Donacadee was you know was up was actually quite a significant port in the island of Ireland probably a bigger port than Belfast at one stage so there's Historic, lots of history yeah. uh, around that and it's great in the products to be able to 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 do a bit of storytelling as well as making some fabulous liquids you know? Yeah, and it does all of those things, doesn't it? Because I think it really gives the product uh, authenticity. I mean, you're you're a specialist marketeer, I would say, Mark. Um, but but you you can easily see why you're you're selling you're not selling gin or whiskey necessarily. I mean, pr good product is being produced, but it's the story uh, that's being that's being sold, isn't it? The story of the history of the area, and and the sort of pride that local people have in the area, as you were saying. Yeah. Look, I mean. Uh... The uh, the gin market is uh, is extremely crowded. I mean, it's uh, gin's just seen an explosion over the last uh, over the last mm. few years, um, and to to have any sort of standout on shelf or with buyers, you need that point of difference. And, and you know, we've developed some some beautiful looking uh, bottles. Uh, we've created some fantastic liquid that actually has won a number of awards. But you need to have something else. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of good tasting, great looking gins and rums out there. And to have something uh, that's centered in uh, where we're located and the history of the area uh, and a bit of storytelling um, is is a way of setting us apart. Uh, yeah. And actually, there's, you know, that that maybe strength product I talked about um, actually was inspired by um, a sea battle that's just happened not far from the Copeland Islands which was the first time the newly independent U.S. Navy sank a British ship. Oh, uh, there you and go. It was in 1778, and uh, so uh, the captain of that ship was called Jones. Uh, so our Jones 1778 is, is our cask-aged gin. Brilliant. Uh, and you'll never guess we've got a lot of interest from the States on listing that product. Well, do you know, there must, have been, there, 
there must have been a clever marketeer behind that move. Somebody um, somewhere did a did a very good thing with that product. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, but and and the, the the success really is convincing, isn't it? I mean, you, the, you said you were, you were in the distillery over the last couple of days, and it's all hands to the pumps pre Christmas. I know that you've laid down whiskies that are are going to mature for sale in what three, four, five years. So it's a young business, but you know already it looks like a business with deep roots. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been an incredible, uh, people talk about incredible journeys, but it, it really has. I mean, since from a university project in 2016 to, you know, a million pounds plus worth of a distillery um, and, uh, and starting to export. I mean, we currently export as far away as Australia, uh, the Lebanon, Abu Dhabi, um, and are growing our distribution in, in the Republic of Ireland and GB and, and now the States. But it's, it's, been, it's been a bit of a whirlwind. Then we're back to rum and, and whiskey. And as you say, we've been producing yeah. whiskey only really for the last uh, 18, 24 months. Well, it does take uh, time. We're getting some good reports. And I know you did I, sample some of uh, well, what was you know, I can yeah, I can give you some good reports myself because uh, I, I, I brought I brought a bottle down. I think you sent me a bottle down after uh, after we were up in the distillery. And, I think he uh, let I, you taste some of the Cascade stuff, Connor. And I, I hope your your uh, your uh, your yeah, taste buds yeah. have grown back since you had me tasting so much food. stuff there that uh, no, I mean, t- taste buds and brain came out of the place completely fried. But the whiskey enjoyed is a more measured temperament. Um, back here at base is absolutely lovely, and in fact, I'll, I'll be needing a restock. Um, so okay. I'm going to talk to you about that as well. Um, so you know, COVID shakes the world. Brexit also um, shakes the world. I think particularly if you're in Northern Ireland. I mean, and for for a business that is you know local at heart and root, but very much looking across borders and overseas, was Brexit. You know, stupid, ridiculous pain in the backside, or just one of those things that you have to live with, or how are you guys seeing it? Well, I, I think um, I think I'd agree with your first point, which is a stupid, ridiculous pain in the backside, <laughs> um, totally unnecessary. And I think actually the irony of of, of this is that um, actually what we were left with with Brexit in terms of the protocol. It is a phenomenal um, opportunity for local manufacturing companies. Mm. Um, you know, being part of the uh, of the UK single market and being part of the EU single market is yeah. is an opportunity. I think that uh, certainly manufacturers in Scotland would um, would love. And yeah. uh, I think the concern for for me is that um, mm. uh, I hope our politicians don't. Uh, muck up what could be an opportunity for Northern Ireland, but I fear that they are. Um, yeah, well, I mean, historically, you haven't been able to hang, hang too many hopes on, on, on Ulster politicians, sad to report. Um, do you think that unionism collectively, if, if, if it is an, even is a collective, do you think this has been a strategic mistake made there? Because, um, you know, what was the, 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 the flippant line that was said about um, the Vietnam War, that we should just declare victory and get out? Um, but was there an opportunity for unionism to, you know, declare the protocol as a unionist victory um, and and embrace it? I really can't see what the strategy was. Um, I fail to understand what the um, what the DUP felt was the long term um, opportunity um, for for pushing for such a hard Brexit, and, and we had some of the hardest Brexiteers. Actually, in the DUP, uh, and 
um, other than short-term opportunities for Northern Ireland and an opportunity to, to get closer to a very Brexit-leaning uh, Conservative uh, government. Um, I, I think what we've seen time and time again is a flip-flopping, um, particularly on the part of the DUP, uh, in, in terms of you know their attitude to Brexit. And we had, you know, we've got politicians. Uh, I think they use social media well when they want to push their message out, but they forget that actually social media stays around, and we can see conversations. I mean, I think from uh, from the like of uh, Sir Geoffrey. Uh, Donaldson, the, the now leader of the DUP, that you know, 12 months ago was saying what a great opportunity it was to be best of both worlds, and the Northern Ireland Protocol op offered opportunities for Northern Ireland in terms of growth. And 12 months later, it's we need to scrap it; it's not working, and um, and and we need to go back to to, to the drawing board. And um, I mean, the reality is that Northern Ireland, certainly the Northern Ireland that I see doesn't have the problems of Brexit that, uh, that, uh, that GB yeah. has and that England has. Yeah, perversely, some of its politicians seem to want those problems. Um, was, was, there, was, was there a sort of, was the DUP's sort of unspoken wish, naive wish, that, that Brexit actually would result in a hard border with the Republic and, and would enable, you know, in a Ulster unionism to, you know, solidify that border and in that sense, embed its permanence in the constitutional arrangement. I, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I mean, I'm sure there are, there are hardline uh, unionists um, who, who maybe would have wanted that. But I think look, the reality is, you know, I, I, I grew up in, in Leafy, East Belfast, uh, in a unionist with a very small U um, mm. community, but was fortunate enough to go to a school that was actually quite progressive. And I would have come down south and played rugby down here and cricket down here. Mm. Uh, my father had worked, uh, he had his own business, but he worked on an all-island basis. Um, and so for me, you know, the border didn't really exist, even though I grew up in the 70s and the 80s. Yeah. And, and look, right now, today, the border doesn't exist. It does from a, it does from the point of view of your, of your, 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 uh, your, your cell phone, your mobile phone, yeah. having to switch when you get to Newry, which is a bit of a pain, i got to be honest. But I think for many people, the border is just, not relevant and i think more and more people i know from the south are going up to belfast to enjoy mm. a weekend or a night there and more and more people from the north are, are coming yeah. down south for their holidays and i think yeah which I, are Dub I, dublin I is I, belfast's local airport really these days isn't it well i mean it is actually at one stage it was easier to fly out of dublin airport than it was to fly out of belfast airport so yeah. i i don't i don't i don't subscribe necessarily with the view that that said that uh, they were angling for a hard border. I just don't think it was sufficiently thought through. And I think mm. that's my concern, I suppose, as a, as a Northerner who lives both sides of the border. We don't seem to have a strategic view on politics generally in Northern Ireland. We lurch from one crisis to the next, yeah. and we don't have a long-term sense of how we're trying to build an economy, which I have to say, when I look at the South, is a much more grown-up, uh, politics um, mm. than we have north of the border, um, well, despite I, I think, I, some of the issues that are down here, you know? Yeah, I would listen, we have our fair share of immaturity down here, as you know, but uh, um, uh, but it's, I'm still to some degree comforted by your words. And, and I think, when, you know, pre-Brexit, when, when, when we were all part of the European Union, um, you know, in a funny way, we almost had a united Ireland. Um, everybody did. And, the, you know, the, 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 the border was was dissolving uh, and... But unfortunately, I think, I think that's the one fear, Connor. 
I think that's the one fear, and we, we, you know, I, I hear things in the press uh, potentially about uh, you know EU nationals, non-Irish EU nationals potentially having difficulties coming from Dublin up up to up to Northern Ireland, uh, or from the south up to Northern Ireland, and, and I really hope that's not the case because I think to your point between the St Andrews Agreement uh, and you know being part of the EU and you know and the common travel area. Yeah. It's, uh, it's obviously really important between between UK and Ireland. There was really no, there was no friction at all. Mm-hmm. You know, people came and went, um, and uh, and I remember whenever I was growing up, you know, in the seventies, eighties, and nineties, it would be unusual to see a D-reg plate uh, north yeah. of the border, and now it's commonplace. Um, and and even ten years ago, whenever I was traveling up and down to Dublin, it used to be, oh, there's another yellow plate, there's another northerner. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I drove down last night, and I think there were more northerners driving down. Oh, sure, uh, tripping in them. Were, than there were southerners driving down. So, yeah. you know, I... Yeah, I mean, but both, both parts of the island have also become quite a bit more cosmopolitan over the... the you know, certainly since we were growing up, you know, much more multicultural, much more outward-looking, um, which is fantastic, uh, fantastic. What, what about the future, then? Um, and... and yeah, I, I despair that we'll ever have a sensible DUP. I suppose we could hope for one, but I kind of vaguely like the noises that Doug Beattie is making. Um, I, I don't. It, 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 is he speaking for a sensible middle? Yeah, do you think? I, I, um, I'm hoping that actually uh, the, the the so-called centrist dads and mums uh, will come out in their droves at the, at the at the next election because I think, you know, we're seeing we're seeing so much. Um, hypocrisy at the minute. I mean, I, mm. I, I hear. I, I think. I think that the issue. I think is that you know the DUP and, and Sinn Fein, to some respect, were in opposition for so long mm. that they actually still think they are in op- opposition. And, and you know, the number of things I see yeah. on you know the, the 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 biggest party in government, the DUP, not voting for a budget not voting for mask wearing, not voting for, you know, mandatory COVID search. I I look at it and go, okay, I mean, where do we see the leadership coming from? And I think I I also hear good noises personally from from Doug Beattie and the uh, the UUP. I think think they've got their heads around what being a progressive unionist party um, actually Mm -hmm. means. And and I, you know... uh, you know, I remember certain whenever I was growing up, there was a sort of a sense of, of well, the south is quite far behind the north, isn't it? Mm. And actually, when I look north, the north is way behind the south in terms of, you know, women's rights and LGBTQ plus yeah. rights and and all those things that are just normal, in yeah. inverted commas, in normal societies. And and Northern Ireland still gets lags behind because we've one or two parties who just want to cling to the past. So I, I I'm I'm hopeful. Um, I, I have to say, I, I like Doug Beattie and I like his politics, um, and I'd love to see both Doug and the Alliance Party, you know, do well at the next election because it'd be nice to get some sensible people in there who who have sensible politics and actually just want to make the place work. Yeah, which I think not- I think is. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I thought that's what politics was all about. Ah, well, <laughs> in some parts of the world, you know, they could probably do with that. They could probably do with an experienced marketeer who knows just how to uh, um, just just how to sell Northern Ireland. I don't think that last five minutes, Connor. You know me too well. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't have the patience for it. <laughs> ah, but I would just. I, I would just. I would enjoy the scandals, though. They would be great fun. <laughs> 
every every week a new one. Um, so so the future's looking good, Mark, for 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 Copeland anyway. And and I hope you're enjoying life as well. I know you you sort of straddle the border. You're you're up and down a lot. You still have interests on both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and and uh, I have to say, look, I I I enjoy living in Dublin. Uh, I, I I enjoy actually the the lifestyle down here. It, it is I think you, you mentioned the cosmopolitan both sides of the border, but actually Dublin reality is a much more cosmopolitan um, city than uh, than even Belfast. Um, uh, and there's a certain I, I talked about in business the itch culture in in the south. I think that sort of slightly more and, and I. I know the weather isn't Mediterranean, but it's certainly mm. the outlook down here is, is more relaxed. And I, I have to say, I think, uh, you know, the people are are phenomenal. And, and as a northerner coming down, uh, even my dad, you know, 20, 25 years ago, you know, um, you know, very engaging and and very open to, to new ideas and to new things and to uh, and to and to listening to what's happening, you know, north of the border and you get a chance to talk to them. So, no, I look. I, I'm obviously spending my time, a little time between here and, and Donica D. I think, you know, as Copeland develops over the next couple of years, certainly we'll have far more business in the South. So it, it, um, I may end up doing a little bit of work when I'm down here as opposed to um, just when I'm up in Donica D. Um, Very good. But, you know, great, great to be part of a little business that's got, a, got an exciting uh, opportunity for growth. Uh, it is. And, uh, uh, it, uh, nice it to be is. part of a set of products. Do you enjoy Connor? You know. Yeah. Well, exactly. And you, yes, and you you can faithfully test them all. Um, no, I, I I'm I was delighted with the story, and as I say, we we were up and visited the place, and I think it's fantastic. And uh, you know, Gareth gave his presentation to us, and the enthusiasm is just absolutely palpable. So you feel that this is an enterprise that deserves success and and looks to be getting it. Uh, the website copelanddistillery.com copelanddistillery.com absolutely i'm hoping you'll see an awful lot more copeland on the shelves of the bars and restaurants and and uh, and retailers that you uh, that you're in uh, well my, my, mind you don't do your back in when you're stacking all those boxes onto uh no absolutely not i uh, we have a couple of men for that connor <laughs> very good very good mark prentice thank you very much thank you connor thanks to mark prentice good to catch up with him and i'm delighted to see things going so well Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. This has been Driving Life with Connor Faulkner. If you did enjoy it, or bits of it, then maybe you'll check in with us next time. Until then, drive safely, live happily, and come back and see us again. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations.